0: You kind of scratch your head and said, what do you mean by that? Is he God's not playing tag with me, what's going on? What we're thinking about through Lent as a church, we've we been looking at this series, we call God's Pursuit of Us, and we're looking at all sorts of different ways in which God wants us to know the things he has done to show us that he loves us, that he wants us to get to know him better and that actually he wants us to do life with him. And that's what we're going to be thinking about through the, the whole of Lent. And this is kind of one of our early um, topics that we're, we're thinking about now. And we're going to be looking at a particular story. Um, one of the cubs is going to come and read it for us in a minute, and then we're going to sort of try and get into it a little bit more together. So I'm just going to invite um, the cub up. Who's, who's, I think, and you can go from this this one. He made of that reading. It contains one of the most well-known, famous Bible verses... That the kind of the Western world knows about. But I also think there's some quite hard, weird stuff in there, and it's, it doesn't all quite make sense when you first read it. And just generally when you first get a Bible reading, you hear it one time, actually a lot of it just sort of sweeps over your head. So what we're going to try and do, and I have no idea whether this is going to work well or not, but we'll give it a go. We're going to kind of dig into the story a little bit more. We're going to do it a little bit interactively, so I want you to be involved as much as possible. Um, And we'll see if we can just make a bit more sense of that great story, that encounter. Young people, we've got some beanbags here. If you want a a sort of a ringside seat a little bit, you can grab a beanbag, come and sit down here. You can either grab one of the um, kneelers as well, just kind of make yourselves at home at the front here, and we'll, we'll see how we go digging into this story a little bit more. Well done. So while you guys position yourselves how you want to be i get some stuff out as well. We'll see how we go. Anyone else? Because there are some young people. Oh, I'm going to peer just through this little bit here. Any of you guys want to come and sit down on a nice comfy bean bag at the front? If you want to, it's all, it's all up for you. Okay. Like I said, you can grab the knee lids from front of you. Okay. First question, really, really easy one to break you in. So you can all shout out the answer. Who is it who went to go and visit Jesus? Can you remember his name? Started with an N. Nicodemus. Quite a weird name. So we're going to call him Nick just for ease of reference. Okay. And I need a volunteer who's going to be Nick for me. (sighs) Daniel, come on then. You can be Nick for me. Okay, Daniel, you're going to stand on the corner there to start with, okay? Now, can you remember anything that the story told us about dear old Nick? Can anybody remember any details about Nicodemus? He went to visit Jesus, yeah? About who he was as a person, what his job was, any ideas about that? Anyone remember? Adults, give us a clue. He was a Pharisee. Anybody know what a Pharisee means? No, a bit more scripts. See, that's why we talk about these things, because actually it's like, well, what does that mean? Basically, a Pharisee it means talk, means talk <laughs> does it? He probably did talk a fair bit. You're right. But essentially, a Pharisee was a, a religious person. So probably if you wanted to try and translate it a little bit into a modern day, probably someone a bit like me who, who, who wears a dog collar. Actually, he would hang out in their equivalent of a church. He would do teaching. And actually, we hear that he's part of something called the Sanhedrin. Actually, he was quite high up. He would actually make sort of uh, judgments about the rules that they were exploring. So he's probably quite wealthy, probably quite a sort of quite a brainy guy, did lots of study of the books and things like that. So we're going to dress Dan Dan up a little bit like that. So, Dan, you've got a kind of Pharisaical robe. (laughs) Yes, don't get too excited. There you go. You can have a nice big book. Can you, can you go back to your corner, though? That, that's your corner. Thank you, Dan. Or Nick, I should say. The Pharisees, it's worth remembering the Pharisees. They, they had sort of quite strong views about how church should be or the equivalent of church. Uh, and they thought, actually, we really need to up our game. We need to get a bit more serious about God's rules and regulations. And actually, they piled on a whole load more rules as to say, actually, this is the way that we can follow God closely. So probably quite serious as well. So look quite serious, Dan. Nick, sorry, I should say. Okay. Another super easy question. Who does Nick go and visit? Nick knows who he's visiting. Brilliant. Nick is going to visit Jesus. Who wants to be Jesus for me? Ellie, you were so enthusiastic. Jesus, you can have a comfy chair over here. There you go. Do you want to be colourful, Jesus, or not so colourful, Jesus? You want to be colourful, Jesus. You might live to regret that. There you go. That's probably going to be a bit small for you, but give it a go, Ellie, for us. Okay. Can you remember when dear old Nick visits Jesus? You probably didn't pick it up. There was a little... Boom, nighttime. Absolutely. We're not going to turn the lights off, but uh, Nick, Nicodemus, goes and visits Jesus at nighttime. Well, then Jesus is going to be sleeping. Early nighttime, not not quite sleep time, okay? Now, it doesn't actually tell us why he visits at nighttime, but actually, if you look to what happened before, (laughs) just take a look at our Jesus for a moment. It doesn't actually say explicitly why Nicodemus goes to visit Jesus at night. But if you look at what happened a little bit before, Jesus has gone to kind of the equivalent of church, and he's thrown a real wobbly. He's gone absolutely nuts, okay? He's seen in the church people selling lots of stuff and basically ripping off people who couldn't afford it. And he goes ballistic. He makes a whip. He starts whipping things. He throws tables over, all that sort of thing. And so... People like Nicodemus and the Pharisees, they don't much like this Jesus guy, most of them. They're like, oh, not sure what he's about. So Nicodemus may well have gone at night because he's not sure that his fellow Pharisees would like the idea that he's visiting this Jesus bloke. So there's kind of a bit of tension there. But he, he's seen something in this Jesus bloke that he's like, there's something about this guy and I want to find out a little bit more. So that's kind of the the kind of tension, the dynamics that's going on. Okay, so Nicodemus, you can go and visit Jesus, but you do it secretively. So maybe like you kind of put this up and hide, you know, that sort of thing. Okay, so you're going over to visit him. Okay. (laughs) Good hiding, Nick. Okay. Like I said, Nicodemus wants to have a chat with Jesus. And he, he says to him, look, I know that you're from God, because you wouldn't be able to do all these amazing things that you're doing if you weren't. And then Jesus says something Pretty weird, I think. Could anyone remember what it is or, or anything about that first bit that Jesus talks about? Can you, anyone talk about being born again? Does that ring a bell vaguely? He says, basically, Jesus says to him, look, you can't see what God is about unless you're born again. And Nicodemus, scratch your heads. He's a bit puzzled by this. And we're going to introduce the third character who actually wasn't in in the story, but if we were to do like one of those thought bubbles that you get in cartoons, that's where this character is coming in. So we're going to introduce Nicodemus's mum. Do you want to be Nicodemus's mum? Brilliant. Oh. Okay, no? Anyone want to be Nicodemus's mum? Yes, come on then, brilliant. Okay, it's a bit of a shawl. Or you just put your own, and a walking stick because we know that Nicodemus is actually quite an old dude himself. So Nicodemus's mom, she'd be super wrinkly, okay? So, so you can stand next to your, next to your son. Now remember, this is the kind of the thought bubble. This is just going on in Nicodemus's head. She's not actually in the story. But when Jesus says, "Okay, you've got to be born again," like the question that's going on in Nicodemus's head is, "Can I?" Or can she, my mum, give birth to me again, even though I'm old? It's like, gross, man. But that's the thought, because he doesn't understand what Jesus is saying. He's like, what? And that's the thought going on in his head. And of course, the answer is a big fat, no, of course not. It's not possible. And so then Jesus tries to explain it in a slightly different way, and he starts talking about being born of the Spirit, And what, something that we're very familiar with, what does he use to try and explain what he means by that? Something that we've seen quite a lot of recently with our storms. Anyone remember? Not water. Try another element. Wind. So he starts talking about the Spirit and says, actually, the Spirit blows where it likes. Now, if we weren't in the the realms of coronavirus and stuff, I was going to get you to go into pairs, and one of you to blow... (laughs) on the other person. And the other person try and catch the blow and see if they can show them that. Would that have been possible? No. We can't control the wind. We can't capture it, but we can feel the effects of it. We can see when the trees move. We can see sometimes it knocks the trees over. And that's kind of Jesus is trying to say, actually you can't see the Spirit, but you can sometimes see the effects of it and sometimes feel the effects of it. And that's what he's saying. Actually, something that you have no control over, something that is being controlled by God, has to go on inside of you. And it's like being born again, not physically with these two, but actually God is doing something, something new inside of you. That's kind of what he tries to capture. Now, where are we? Okay, so Nick doesn't get it. So stand there looking really stupid, Nick. Yeah, that's that's good. Jesus is kind, though, Because initially he's like, you're a teacher, you're like really high up in the whole church circles, and you don't get this stuff? And this guy's like, if you don't get this stuff that I'm talking about, which is kind of on earth stuff, how are you going to get heavenly stuff at all? So it's like, duh, is kind of what he's saying to Nicodemus, but he's also kind. And then he tells him a story that he knows Nick will know about. So Nick, because it's a story from one of Nick's big books, okay? Sorry, Nick. Can anyone remember what that story was that he refers to? There's a, usually Jesus is the right answer, but on this occasion it's not. So he refers to Moses. He refers to Moses. And can you remember what else? Any other details in that Moses story? Yeah, yeah. So he talks about Moses and a big pole, a bit like this, but not across at the top. He talks about a bronze snake. Okay, did you, did you pick that up in the story? So he refers to that story. And that was one of the stories that Nick would know about, like I said, from one of his books. So he's trying to help Nick understand it a little bit more again. Okay, we don't, we're not very familiar with that story about the bronze snake, are we? I bet none of you know where it is. Any of the adults know which book of the Bible it comes from? Just to put you on the... Your... No? No, it's from Numbers. Let me tell you the story. Okay. Anybody? Anybody here? Got anybody here like snakes? For a start. Ooh, yeah. A few of you. Anybody got a snake? Anyone got a pet snake? No. Anyone been bitten by a snake here and survived? It? Ben, really? It was a bush snake. It was you have. You've been bitten by a snake. It was a bush snake. What sort of snake was it? A corn snake. How, how was that? Did it really hurt? Oh, okay, so it doesn't sound particularly... Like jabbing yourself with a needle if you're saying. That's what being bitten by a little corn snake is. If it was a poisonous snake, probably a whole lot worse. But the story is basically... His pe- the people who've come before him, who are the religious people, they were completely disobeying God, doing everything that they wanted to, completely ignoring God. And they end up in this place where these snakes, these poison snakes, are biting them, and they're dying all over the place. Not good, bad doo-doo, okay? And then Moses pleads on their account and and God tells him, look, hold up this pole with the bronze snake on it and if you're being bitten by a snake and you're about to die, if you look on the bronze snake, then you'll survive, you won't perish, you won't die. So Jesus refers back to that story that Nicodemus would have known very well and said, look, remember that story? Okay, now... Now, I want you to take that story because I'm giving you like a sneak preview, like a movie trailer of what I'm going to do. And instead of having a bronze snake on the pole, it's going to be a lot more like this one where there's going to be a cross and the Son of Man, which is talking about himself, Jesus will be raised up on that pole. And basically, he's saying everything that Paul was talking about in that song but actually in the same way that when the people looked on the bronze snake if you look on me hanging on that cross and you believe that i did that for you then you too will not perish you won't die you will have eternal life and that's where that amazing john 3:16 verse ultimately comes from does anybody know what happens when you're bitten by a venomous snake I mean, ultimately, you can die, but do you know what actually happens? I think internally, the venom kind of works on the inside, and it breaks down your cells and can lead to paralysis and internal bleeding. You know, it's a pretty grim way to go. And sometimes we, we've, there's been that language in our songs of sin, but you can think of sin like that. It's a bit like a venom that actually kills us from the inside out. And Jesus is saying, I'm like the anti-venom guys. I have sucked up that poison. I've taken away that thing that can destroy you from the inside out. And I have paid the price of that. I will bear the poison so that you are free. And then the spirit bit, the wind bit that he was talking about earlier, that will get, he will live inside you and will do a healing work and enable you to be more loving and more kind and more generous, And all the things that God intended us to be in the first place. And that's kind of all the stuff that Jesus is hinting at at Nicodemus. But you have to read the whole of John's story to really get all of that. So we only catch a little glimpse of it. But that's ultimately what's going on. And he's saying, you know, John's telling us this for a reason. He's saying, actually, I want you to know about that. It might be an old story, but I want you to know about that. So that you too can look on that person, that person of Jesus and know that he's dealt with that stuff and to know that you can have his spirit working inside of you and you can be free people living as God intended you to be and that's why it's called good news we're going to finish up there and we're going to i think somebody's going to pray for us and then we're going to we're going to finish up by singing again just to kind of express our thanks for that amazing good news thank you for helping out guys you, you did a good job
1: Heavenly Father, we thank you for a chance to meet together this morning, to learn more about you, to worship you, and to build relationships with each other. We think of all our brothers and sisters around the world who are meeting together today too, especially those who do not have as much freedom to worship you in their country. Keep them safe, Lord, and help them to cling to the hope you bring us. Heavenly Father, thank you for always being with us, hearing us, and talking to us. Thank you for pursuing us and loving us. Thank you for speaking your love through the mundane, everyday moments. Help us to see and recognize this, God. We thank you for the first signs of spring, for the sun this morning. We pray that as we start Lent, we would spend more time with you. We pray that we would remember that you make our lives whole. God, we pray for all those who have been affected by the recent storms and flooding. We pray that they would be kept safe from any illnesses and we ask that you would give them strength as they rebuild their homes and their towns. Lord, we know you see and feel their pain. Help us to keep lifting them up to you in prayer. Jesus, we lift up all those who are sick at the moment. We pray for healing. In the silence now, we lift them to you. Finally, I pray for myself and anyone else who wants to echo this prayer. May you come and interrupt our everyday routines and rules and regulations and remind us that we are living a relationship with you. May you turn our world upside down so we always cling to you, my Father. I am desperate for more of you, God. Lord, help us to walk this oh, help us this week to walk every day with you. We trust that you hear and answer our prayers. Amen.